Hello and a big warm welcome to you to the Aware Parenting and Natural Learning Podcast with Marion Rose and Joss Golden. We are really passionate about practicing aware parenting and natural learning together and would love to offer you information and inspiration to support you if you feel called to practice these in your family too. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name is Marion Rose. And my name is Joss Golden. And we are the Aware Parenting and Natural Learning Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about something that quite a few people have been asking us over the past few weeks. And it's such an important topic. And that's really about juggling all the things in life and doing all the things we do, as well as practicing aware parenting and natural learning. So we're going to be sharing some of our our own life experiences and telling you and sharing about that. (laughs) Mm, yeah and it's a nice one to talk about because as you say it comes up so often with people who are wanting to have their children at home but they're also wanting to work and earn earn some money or perhaps they're in a single parent situation so they're having to take care of their child and their needs as well as doing all the other managing things of life and it's often a really tricky one to to do. And of course, if our children are at school, that gives us so much more time to be able to go and work when our kids are somewhere else being taken care of, in inverted commas. But when they're at home, of course, it all falls to us. So it is a hard one to navigate. Yes, and I think we'd really like to accentuate that it's really normal and natural to have lots of questions about that, particularly perhaps you might be on the verge of thinking about taking your child out of school, for example, or perhaps they, they're younger and you're thinking maybe this is the route you're going to be going and it, to be normal to be asking these kinds of questions. How how will I be able to do all of the things? And we'll go back to really holding that uh, cultural perspective that it's we're really not, mm, this is not how it's designed to be, that we're doing things in these nuclear families. And it's so normal and natural to for this to be challenging, to find ways of doing all the things that we are being called to do. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's worth, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, but I think it's really worth saying again and again and again that to thrive as human beings, we would be living in the way that we evolved to live, which is in communities with lots of people around us to share the work, to share all the responsibilities of parenthood. Um, And we would not be on our own or in small nuclear families trying to meet everybody's needs. That is just not an effective way to be living. So of course, it's really, really difficult for, for many of us to do this. And when we come from an aware parenting perspective, we have this awareness of our children's needs and of our needs. And of course, when we have that perspective, when we're thinking about maybe taking our children out of school or not sending them to school at all, it does often leave us wondering, well, how? How am I actually going to be able to do this? How am I going to be able to meet my children's needs and all their needs for learning and all the other things that they require? And how am I at the same time going to be able to be meeting my needs? And that might be, as we've said, around earning money and and making a living, but that might also be around other things like showing up in the world in the ways that we want to. It might be having time for ourselves to take care of ourselves, because again, that's another thing we're really aware of when we're having this aware parenting lens is how important it is to have time where we take care of ourselves, where we do tend to our needs. Sometimes that's in really small ways. Sometimes that's in bigger ways. But often people are left wondering, well, how on earth am I going to be able to fit that in if I've also got the children at home all the time? And 
And the, there are other needs as well around their needs for social interaction and connection with others, as well as our needs for that too. So there are lots of questions that people have at the beginning of this process and lots of things that people struggle with if they're away down this path around this area. So I think it's a really helpful one to talk about. Yes, and I think we'd really love to give this uh, the, the both sides that really the empathy and the compassion and the normalness of it being tricky and challenging and how on earth can we do all these things and it being not normal to be to be needing to do all the things that we're doing ourselves and to also hold the possibility and what we can do and how powerful we are and and that there are so many ways that we can. Um, support this to really work for our families so really holding both of those rather than just one or just the other yeah absolutely and yeah we're both living proof that it's possible not uh, to, to do it in a way that allows everyone to um, not just to survive but to thrive too and lots of other people we know are also in that situation where they've found beautiful creative and wonderful ways to make it work in their family and of course just to add to the 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 challenge side of it is the fact that as you say so beautifully often Marion that our culture deliberately makes it really difficult for us to be doing this our our wider culture wants all children to be going to school it wants all parents to be out working in in these traditional ways that are are seen in our culture because that way everybody stays controlled and, and and along the same on the same path it doesn't want us to be making different choices so it is it is often difficult and of course it's normal that we would doubt ourselves and as you say so beautifully we can also hold this knowledge that actually it is really possible particularly when we bring our awareness and, and compassion to the all the stuff about it that's difficult yeah, I love how you say that, Joss. And there's something as well, isn't there, about the process I, I found in particular is well, the more we decondition ourselves from our, well, you know, at school and a job, and that's just how we'll both be or how we'll be in our family, to actually opening up to think about learning and contributing and enjoying life and connection, all the things in really different ways that the, 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 the box opens out and all kinds of different possibilities start to reveal themselves. And the, the more we kind of see things in a different way for our children, the more we start to see different ways and possibilities for ourselves. And it becomes this ever ongoing opening mm -hmm. and new avenues opening themselves up in ways that can be quite surprising sometimes. And, and again, how that will weave back into our children and their own interests and their own natural learning journeys and it becomes such a, a beautiful weaving doesn't it rather than those kind of the more set ways that uh, this culture sees things and it's ever what's that word there's a beautiful word of the emergent it's emergent process so there's something about that yes also we might have ideas about how we want it to look and how it might be and it's emergent so there might be all kinds of unexpected things that happen and we might go in directions that we never foreseen because that's part of the process mm, yeah I love that it's so nice all the things that get revealed to us as a result of of doing our deconditioning work I love how you describe that and I think our healing um, comes into that a lot as well because when as we become aware of perhaps it might be the impact of, of school and the traumas that we experienced at school and as we start to to give some space and some compassion and some support to those those really painful experiences for ourselves and we start to free ourselves of the of the impact of those experiences that also allows us to then think outside the box and to think differently that allows us to think 
well, anything's possible and that it's 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 safe for us to make different choices now because we're not in that we're not that younger part of us anymore. We're actually we've we've done that healing of, of that chunk or we've allowed those painful feelings to be to be heard. And again, we're bringing that aware parenting perspective into that. So as we release and heal from those things, we also gain confidence and willingness to show up differently in the world and to make different choices and to do things differently. Yeah, so it's really only a journey that can be lived, can't it? Like we, It's just this ongoing exploration and journey as we keep freeing ourselves from the conditioning, as we keep doing our own healing from our own school trauma, like the what gets revealed is, and, and how we can do all the things that we're wanting to do can show up. And that might include... You know, I know for me, and I talk about this quite often, so I might have shared it here before many times, but one of the ways I often think is because um, we are doing the work of 16 people and I want to, to thank the, the beautiful person I know who she is in our We're Parenting Natural Learning community talked about that, is that at any one time, if I'm thinking of juggling, I know that I might be juggling 10 balls and at any one point in time, there's probably six or four or six of those on the floor. And so I'm, I'm juggling a certain number and I'm attending to those. And I know I've got my eye on the other ones that are on the floor and then they'll be called to go, okay, I'll pick one of those up and I'll put one down. So for me, I, that's what I've learned to do. And there are many other ways of doing it, but for me, that's been one of the ways is to go, I'm not willing to try and coerce myself to run ragged, do it whole, juggling all the balls at once. And I know most of them, they can be on the floor for a little while and they'll be fine. And I'll just, I'll pick them up and I'll put the other one down. But the, I just got to the point where I was just not willing to be, to be coercing myself or shooting myself or judging myself if I wasn't juggling all the balls at once. And that was such a huge relief for me to go, I'm doing what I can. I'm attending to the things. And if, the, if that ball needs to be picked up, it will, it will kind of, it, it kind of it becomes flashing, flashing pink ball because I need to be picked up. And I go, yep. Yeah, okay. I see you. I'll pick you up. The, that for me, there's been no way to be able to just do everything in a way that I would have shooted myself to do. And that's been really relieving. So that's one of my little, um, I was going to say hacks. I don't know if that's quite the word. Have you got any like those that you found helpful? <laughs> well, yeah, I just want to say a bit more about that one, actually, first of all, because I think that is incredibly helpful. And I love how you describe that. And I think it's a really nice, there's a real powerful distinction, isn't there, between dropping balls that we're juggling and actually choosing to put some balls down so that we're juggling less and so that we're less likely to drop them. And I think that's, I've learned so much from you about that as well and about how Again, that comes down to our healing work when we find ourselves going into the shoulds and the guilts and the shames and the criticisms and the judgments instead to be you know, tending lovingly to those parts and choosing instead to put some balls down and to be looking at, okay, I have got all of these things and yes, it is really tricky. And which of them uh, am I shooting myself about that I are not actually, again, really things that I truly value or things that I'm willing to assign less value to right now because I don't have the spaciousness to be able to attend to those. So maybe it's about, you know, how clean the house is, or, or maybe that is something that's really important and you're not willing to put down that ball. So you hold that ball, but you put down another one that might be around feelings of, 
you're being obliged to help somebody else out or or to go out to lots of things in order to feel like your child is doing enough and instead you say well actually we are we're going to do these three things but we're not going to do those three things or you know whatever it is it's about bringing that awareness and that mindfulness to what you're doing and how you're spending your time and and which of those balls you want to keep in the air and which of those balls you're going to put down for now and they might be things that you pick up later, but for now, that's going to be one less thing that you're trying to juggle. So you're less likely to drop them. I think that's a really beautiful analogy. Thank you. And I love how you've built on that analogy and that really clear differentiation between dropping them and putting them down. And, and I think what happens is if we're not listening to that, when we are going to drop them, because it's, unless we become very, very competent and you know, stay up 18 hours, I don't know how many hours a day, 20 hours a day, (laughs) trying to get them all done. I think that's so incredibly beautiful. I love that distinction. Yeah. And also that was what I was going to say too, about the whole industrialization and mechanization process that has, that we have got conditioned into just doing a lot and one thing after the next, and it all has to be done and all has to be done at a certain time. And I often think about my responding to all the different ways I have messages, so the emails, Facebook, Instagram, phone, text, like all the things. And I, I jokingly think that I respond to them in a manner of letter writing. <laughs> that I'm, I tend to think that they might be letter writing in the days of um, when letters in Europe were delivered by horse. <laughs> That's my kind of pace of responding. So sometimes, yes, I might respond straight away, but sometimes, and I'm sending love and apologies to anyone who who knows this and who may have had quite a wait to hear a response from me, is what I found several years ago is that if I was wanting to be do all, or doing all that I'm doing, that like getting notifications, for example, I turned off all notifications and that I respond when I'm called and I'm willing to, and I'm so willing to listen to anybody's feelings about that. So that's what I'll often do is I'll apologize I do a lot of apologizing I'm really sorry about how long it's taken me to respond and I'm so here to listen to your feelings and that was a really conscious choice I made rather than because I did do a lot of coercing myself and feeling very stressed by needing to respond to all these messages straight after you know as soon as they came in and it was horrific I remember at one point Sundays I would catch up with all the messages I'd had on Facebook and it was like it was taking me about five hours and I was like I just got to buy. I'm just not willing to do this. And yes, it will mean I miss things, but I'm just willing to apologize and repair and listen to people's feelings. So that was for me a really big thing that helped me a lot. Mm, yes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, I've had that too when I've had people contacting me and really wanting to have a session and, and me in the past, me would have said, oh yeah, I'll find a way to fit you in. And, and now I'm really not willing to to do things that are at the expense of myself because of course then we can't be giving to the people who we're supporting either if we're if we're empty and also like especially the last couple of years as it's coming to the end of my daughter's time in homeschooling and I've only got her for one more year in this in this way and so I'm not willing to do it anything at the expense of our relationship and our time to connect too so I really deliberately organize my life now in a way where I have time set aside where I know that my daughter's going to be busy, which is when I work. And when she's not with busy, we spend lots of time together. And of course, you know, that might be that she's at work or it might be that she's doing something fun or hanging out with her friends or whatever, but I organize my life around that. And I don't allow it to bleed into 
all of the other time too. So I think that's a really helpful strategy. And and I love that sense that you're saying that we offer compassion and empathy to other people, but we don't take responsibility or feel like blamed somehow ourselves if, if people have feelings. So again, it's about learning to listen to feelings and to listen to our children's feelings or our clients' feelings or whatever, but listening to feelings without taking it personally. And then if we have feelings ourselves, we can obviously take that to our listening partners or or reach out for support to each other or whatever. But yeah, it's a really different way of being in the world. Yes, it is, isn't it? And it's so much to me, I see, about the deconditioning process that of of putting down those what I call the sticks, the 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 coercion, the guilt, the shame, the judgment that I have to go fast, I have to do this, I should do that. And mm-hmm. to me, that's been the, the mo- one of the most transformative things to be to really not live from those things. Because if we're living in the DDC where we have very little community support, and you're going to talk, I imagine, about how you actually t- really created a lot of community support for you, your family and your natural learning journey. But if we're doing all these things in this culture, the job of 15 people and we're judging ourselves and coercing ourselves and shooting ourselves is just going to be exhausting. So mm. I think the that's really, really key in that deconditioning process to increasingly be really listening to ourselves and our children. And and given each different situation, yes, there may be financial needs that we need for survival and for support and those kinds of things but to really getting it back to really the basics and I'm not expressing as clearly as I would like to but I think it makes a huge difference Mm, yeah and I think that comes back to our healing as well like I know for me I used to have quite big responses when I found myself with a long list of things to do. It used to make me feel very stressed. I used to end up feeling really overwhelmed with the pressure of having lots of things outstanding that needed my attention. And I had this really powerful realization in a conversation with you, I remember, maybe a year ago or something, where I really realized that was that was my school trauma. And that was my younger me who was in, in danger if I got really behind with things that were on my things to do list. And if I didn't get assignments done at time in time at school, I got into big trouble. And of course, I was I was in a boarding school environment. So I didn't have anyone to support me through that. I just had to get on with it. And so when I had that realization of, oh, okay, this is this is my younger parts, actually, this isn't me now, and could could process that. I then got to a place where it was okay. It felt safe for me to have lots of things outstanding and it didn't feel didn't feel nearly so stressful. So yeah, that's a big part of it too for me. Yes. Oh my gosh, I love how you articulate that. And it's, it's similar, isn't it, by the way I think about it of like homework as well. I think that was for me a lot of that. If I had, and I've always got a list, my list right in front of me, I've always got massive things on my list and sometimes it's shorter. And I had similar that if there was anything on the list, it would be, on my mind constantly. I should be doing that. This isn't done yet. I should do that. I've got to do that and see all those, the shoulds, the have tos, got tos. Whereas now there's always, there's very rarely have I got a list that has nothing on. I don't think that ever happens. I might have two or three instead of 15, (laughs) but now I can just put it aside and there's no coercion and I can at any time, even though there's a bazillion things I'm going to be enjoying chatting to my son or playing with the dogs or making food. I don't, I just have found through all that inner healing that, that those do not, 
affect the other things. And again, that's that's transformative, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. it's really stressful. And I and you know, taking it back to our school experiences, it wasn't safe, or we'd have got punished or shamed if we hadn't done what we were told to do. So we make sense, doesn't it? We then place that onto our own lists because they were lists from other people and we do the same as was done to us and that we can stop doing that as as you explained so beautiful isn't it Mm. such relief such a relief to go yes I've got lots on my list and sometimes certain things get written down 20 times before I'm willing to do them or, or I find a time or a way to do them but I'm not judging myself I'm not coercing myself yes and often I've also found that again from what I've learned from you about this that when I don't coerce myself and I allow things to happen and I trust that they're going to happen at the right time it's often a really smooth easy quick beautiful process to (laughs) to get them done whereas when I'm coercing myself and forcing myself and shooting myself I've got this to do and that to do it all just feels really arduous and painful and tiring and difficult so it's it's a much more enjoyable process as well when we when we are able to approach things in that way Oh, yes, I so resonate. I have a big smile hearing you say that. And and it's so similar, isn't it, to natural learning with our children? It's like really seeing in them, like if we're in any way trying to coerce them to do something that they're not willing to do, they don't have aliveness to do, we can see every part of their bodies just like it's, we know in ourselves it's such a clear body sense, isn't it? When we have a, like, yeah, I really am willing to do that. And it's a completely different experience. And the more we get that for ourselves and the more we, the more we can support our children with that. And actually the, the other way around too, isn't it? I found it's through really observing that in my children that helped me really listen to myself more clearly. Yes, 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 yes. And that's that's such an important part of this process is just listening to ourselves, bringing awareness to ourselves and what are we needing in the moment? What are we feeling? How can we support ourselves? What can we let go of? What are we really feeling a big yes for? It's all of those processes that just make life possible and enjoyable when we're juggling lots and lots of things in the having our children at home and, and doing these things. Yeah. Yes. I wonder if we might want to share a little bit of our journeys as well, like to like in practical ways that might be helpful for people and um in a way that isn't going to be a three-hour conversation from both of us. I'd love for us both to share the whole story, but it might take a while, mightn't it? So I'm seeing if I can think of something or would be really helpful. What I would love to share is I found really helpful. And and again, I want to really acknowledge that I had support, although I did also at times just was on the, what's in Australia called the parenting pension, which is funny for the English part of me, because in in England, a pension is just something that you get. It's, you know, the old age pension that used to be called. In the earlier years, really, the my main priority was being with my children. That was my top priority. And I found ways of not doing very much work to earn money. And so I just started off and I'm really grateful actually that I could do that in a way that was really gradual. So probably, I don't remember exactly how old they were, but maybe when I was even about three months old, I just would have start doing one session just a week maybe, and maybe just slowly starting to look at a few emails at night but it was just like that for quite a long time and then there was this gradual increasing of time where she would be with her dad for example so for me I really enjoyed that gradual 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 over time and again I want to say many people aren't in that position to be able to do that and I'm really grateful I was but it was so yummy to be able to 
just do a, a little bit. And I loved just doing a little bit to actually have still that connection with what I love doing and gradually, gradually building it up over time. Yeah. Yeah. I was very fortunate because my partner and I were both working part-time. And so we'd always worked, done lots of work together. And we'd also worked part-time a lot. And we just got into this routine of, since we came to Australia, of not working full-time in the UK, we would have worked every hour of every day. (laughs) But there was something about being here. And I think our circumstances when we were here too forced us because uh, yeah, I'd had a car accident. So my husband was kind of looking after me and trying to earn money at the same time. And so we got into this rhythm of just working part-time. And so when the children were born, we continued in that rhythm and it was really, it was really enjoyable. And so I, I also started work again when my son was maybe yeah, four or five months old. And I went back to work one day a week and I would express milk and my husband would bring my son to me if 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 you know if he needed to and all of that kind of thing and it was really difficult to juggle and it was hard to to be apart from him and there were times when i had lots of judgment of myself about that but we just continued in that process and so that was how it always was when we came to the decision to have our children at home with us and not be at school it was easy for us to continue in that rhythm but there were also lots of times when you know, when my my partner wasn't really available, he was building us a home for many, many years when the kids were young. And so we were, again, juggling lots between us of both working part-time and him building a house and us running a business. And there was a lot on our plates. And so, uh, and we didn't have any family here either. So I, I started to connect with others in the homeschool community locally and I had a beautiful friend at the time who we used to take care of each other's children and we would have one day a week where her kids would come to me and one day a week where my kids would go to her and that would buy us time to be able to to work on that day and that was a really beautiful system that worked for a long time for us and we also got this thing where we would get together in the evening and so our children would be at the other person's house for the whole day and whoever had the kids would then also make a meal that evening and so and then our families would all be together for that night and we ended up doing this really beautiful homeschooling learning activity where we would do uh, meals all around the world and each each fortnight you would take a different country starting with a different letter of the alphabet and we would make food from that country and we would explore a little bit about the culture that we were making food from but that was a really i mean that saved my life actually doing that that group i'm so grateful to her for for being able to set that up and then as the kids got older we would do more and more with in the wider community and i also had a thing with a friend of mine that worked really well where we would get together one day a week and we would be one week at my house and one week at her house and her and i would do some jobs together around the house that were things that wouldn't be very enjoyable to be doing by yourself but that were lovely to do together and the kids would play and we would be able to give them food and all of that kind of thing but also get some stuff done so that was another one that worked really well in the early days oh i love hearing that and as you've been talking that all the birds loads of the wild welcome swallows are coming and are singing really loudly and they're like so happy there's so much joy in what you're sharing about isn't there oh let's see they stop them and yeah i so resonate i mean we didn't do quite what you did but i i really enjoyed there were at different times different friends and there would be routines where like we would all meet at the market for example the local farmers market on a friday so we'd meet really early and the children would all hang out together and we'd be chatting for hours and then 
And then we'd come to my house and I'd, I'd make this particular lunch and, the, and there was a bread man that used to come deliver his freshly made bread and we'd always make egg, I'd make egg mayonnaise sandwiches and then they'd hang out for the rest of the day and then they'd be like, they'd be still here and then I'd make a lovely lasagna. It was this kind of, kind of ritual and then they'd stay and often really late. And of course, the beauty of the natural learning journey, we didn't have a like, oh no, the children need to be bed, in bed at a certain time. So we'd have these beautiful long days and with various different families, but that was kind of an example of it, of hanging out and, you know, if I was hanging out washing, she'd help me. And, you know, if we had things to do, she would do do things to help me around the house and we'd do it together. It was, it's just so much more enjoyable, isn't it, to do things, whether that's house things or garden things with somebody else. It was fun. Even if I pay someone to come and do something here, I always find like I start doing things as well because it's just naturally more enjoyable. So it's so central, isn't it, to and, and essential to have at least even one other family can make a huge difference, let alone having a few. So, yeah, yeah, we did a lot of that kind of thing too. But not the, you know, I loved the way you set up that, your learning community. I think that was just so amazing. Mm, Yeah, we were so lucky. In the early days, there were lots of people around us. And so we would just go and hang out and there would be maybe, I don't know, 10 families and we would all hang out together. And there was one dad in the community who would often bring the kids and he would love to play football with them. And so we would all be playing football together. Or if there was things between the kids, we would bring in attachment play and support each other. And it was a really, really beautiful community. And then, yeah, when we moved down here, we had, we slowly developed this this similar sense of community here with lots of families too and and sharing the work of supporting our children to learn and and sharing all the things of life and having so much fun together it was really really beautiful yeah I really loved that I think it's so important isn't it to share that actually this journey can be really fun and yes it may at times be stressful and hard and overwhelming but so can school. So and often school can and work and and the, you know those set nine to five and nine to four or whatever school is can be also really stressful, often way more stressful. So I think it's really important that we're not saying yes, you're just going to love it all the time. It's going to be easy. No, but it can be. It can have long phases of just so much beauty and joy and and fun and finding ways for everyone to get their needs met. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And and I think as well, we've made lots of choices. And we, again, we've been in a very fortunate position, but we've also made lots of choices deliberately to 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 go without things and to or to have, you know, we buy most of our clothes from the op shop, for example. And that's something that, you know, I, I really love doing that. But that is, is a deliberate choice as well in order to to save money so that we can have uh, more time and less need to work and and those sort of make making do more as well just as a way of 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 making it work for us and so the things that we really want and really need and really value we have money for but those things that perhaps we don't value so highly that that we we don't we don't have them and that's that's fine but I, I know that you've often talked about how you organized your day as well around working when the children were asleep or or doing you know, doing things in the evenings or doing things when your children are having some screen time and, and sitting all together and again finding ways to make that still connecting so it's not you off in one room doing your work but you're all sitting together having time still with some connection but each one um, or the children might be watching a, a, a movie and you're sitting watching the movie with them and you're writing something so you know there are all of those little ways that we found too to be able to each 
do what we needed to do and what we wanted to do and to be doing it together without without anybody else to help us to to take care of the children. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's what I did from uh, when I really started going, okay, <laughs> when I really had this more urgency in relation to to money and security. That was nearly nine years ago. And I so that's what I did for about four years. I literally go up every morning, at least two hours before they woke up and We'd have an for a few years. We'd have an hour and a half screen time in the afternoon, and we we had this beautiful. I love that you remember that this beautiful circular table, which I now which I reuse. It's been reused many times and had legs chopped off and painted different colours, which is similar to you. Like I don't, you know, I just paint stuff or move them around a bit. And we'd all sit around, so we'd each have our own screen, and so but we were chatting and things as well, and yeah, and working at night and just finding ways to do to fit things in around being together and again at times it was hard and times I would feel tired (laughs) but I'm so glad I did that and just work again working up gradually gradually as they got older to work more time and there were lots of moments where I just wished I longed for more help in in looking after the children or more help it was actually more help around the place. I was happy to be looking after the children. I just wanted somebody else to come and take some of the things off my plate so that I could be more able to focus more on them. But it's, it is a, it is a challenge. And again, that comes back to this nuclear family thing and how, how hard it is in often in that, in that setup. And I think that's what it comes down to, doesn't it? The more we understand the cultural and um, bigger picture pieces which is why we talk about those so much the more we understand and we're not hitting ourselves those sticks we're not saying there's something wrong with me that I'm you know that I'm not doing all the things all the time and that again makes a huge difference doesn't it like you know I gave up some while ago keeping my house really clean because it's just like that would mean that if I was juggling that ball all the time there was another ball that needed to be put down and I just it became less important to me so we get to choose, don't we, what's what we really value and what's most important and what we're really wanting to put time into. Mm. We each do have that. I think there's something about really claiming our power in that, that we each do have choices in relation to that, even though we live in this culture that makes these things really hard. Yes. I, and I remember my daughter actually was the one who really invited me to get clear about that because she said to me many years ago, you know, mum, when I grow up, I'm going to, I'll have left home and then you'll really miss me and you'll have lots of time to be able to do that. And it was like this real like, oh. And since then she says that a lot, like as a joke. So like, if she wants to connect with me, quite often she'll be like, or if she wants me to do something for her now, she started doing it. So she'll be like, mum, can I have a sandwich? And I say, oh, Jade, I really don't have time or I'm not really willing to do that. And she'll be like, but mum, you know, soon I'll have moved out and you'll have so much time on your hands and you'll think back to this moment and think, I wish I'd made her a sandwich. But it was that conversation that really helped me to get clear all those years ago about, yeah, what how I wanted to choose to prioritise my time. Yeah. Yes. And I even remember back in the day, you had Naomi Elder on your podcast, which I highly recommend everyone listening to if they haven't listened to it to then. But I remember her talking about going to a workshop that she did way very long time ago. And she said, I think someone said about what country they're in or something. She said, oh, you know, we we moved house so that we could carry on. I don't know what she called. I can't remember actually what the term she used nowadays. What does she use? Does she use homeschooling? I can't remember. Anyway, I'm just thinking, 
Yeah. And again, it's not to deny the social fabric that we live in and the, and the, the need to have enough money for shelter and food and all of the important things. And to keep remembering, because the DDC doesn't want us to remember that, that we are powerful. We also can make powerful choices. We can find ways within that, even if they don't, you know, they're not, they're not going to look ideal and they're not going to look like the the Instagram pictures of <laughs> perfect houses and perfect children and all of that stuff. But there is always going to be a way for us to find a way and to be compassionate for all the times. You know, I definitely have worked more than I would have liked to in the more recent years. And it's definitely had an impact on my children and how much screen time they have, for example. And I'm not willing to hit myself with sticks about that. I just like, just the journey is what it is. And let's be compassionate with ourselves in relation to how that shows up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that we have the power always to, to, acknowledge that to have those beautiful conversations with our kids where we say you know I realize that there have been times when you you know you it would have been ideal for you to have more of me and I wasn't always available or you know there are times when you spent more time on screens than I would would have loved and this you know this is why and that just again that just that's so beautiful that process always isn't it to reconnect and to show our children that we understand the impact of the decisions that we've made on them and that we're here to listen to any feelings that they might have and that we're not going to go into that coercion and blame and criticism of ourselves about it. So yeah, I love that, that freedom that we have to whatever we do, whatever choices we make, we can always uh, just offer our children love and compassion about it and, and just accept that sometimes that's how it is. Yeah. And something about that deep trust as well, isn't it? About how on things unfold. That's what I found really helpful to go. Just really trust it and yeah, just keep on trusting and keep on listening, and keep on repairing wherever possible. And and I, I love that really longer term picture as well, is that it may, you know, it might be in 10 years time because I quite often still sometimes say to my son, you know, if, if when you're you know, in 10 years' time, you just wish I'd done things differently or you wish I'd offered you more loving limits in relation to screens that you know, just come and tell me, like I'm always willing to hear mm. how it is for you. And I think that makes everything just so much more enjoyable, doesn't it, to know that we can it, we can heal and repair at any time. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other practical things that I've done to yeah. support myself that would be helpful for others on the journey and it almost always is about reaching out for support actually so whether that's practical support from friends or whether that's emotional support from listening partners and empathy buddies to to be sharing all the things that come up for us I think that that's just we have to be willing to do that and and if we are willing to do that that is that is what makes it possible well that's what has made it possible for me yes and just like every person's situation is so different, I think that's really important to hold in mind. So my invitation would be, I remember some years ago, I, was, I had a really painful experience where I was, I was really comparing myself to another parent and it was so excruciating and I just decided I'm just not willing to do that anymore because it was just creating so much pain for me. And just, you know, for each of us to be on our own unique journey because we're all, our, each family is so unique and depending on, our lineage, uh, our own experiences in childhood, 
know whether we're in a, in a partnership or not. If we're in a partnership, how what that's like? You know, do we have? Are we living in the same country that we were born in? Are we? You know, how much in that country is there support, financial and otherwise? Like, you know, all the myriad of factors. How much trauma we experienced? How much healing we've done? There are so many bazillions of factors that means each of our journey is going to be so unique and no point comparing. Com- comparison is only going to lead to pain and just to do whatever we can to love ourselves unconditionally and whatever we doing and whatever choices we've made in the past and whatever choices we're making now and to know that, that change is always possible and repair is always possible and compassion is always possible and and then everything can kind of... You know, you can drop those sticks and feel feel lighter and just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love how you shared that, Marion. That's so beautiful. And it's so central, isn't it, to natural learning, recognizing and accepting and being aware of the uniqueness of each individual and each individual family. And again, about healing our school hurts, which was so much about comparison and about competition between people. And yeah, bringing our awareness to that and how that still impacts on our life now and, and giving some space and healing to those traumatic times in our in our school years so that, yeah, we can be free of that. And so we can say, yeah, no, I'm not willing to compare myself to any other family, to any other situation. I'm not willing to judge myself and I'm not willing to listen to the judgments of others about what's going on for us. I'm just really willing to keep doing the best I can and to offer compassion to myself and to my husband and to my children and to whoever else so that, yeah, this is this is where we're at now. And there's nothing but pain in comparison, really. <laughs> it, it just brings disconnection and pain to us. So, yeah, getting free of that has been so important. And it's a big process, too, because it's such a central part of the way that we were raised. So it's a difficult process to be free of that. Yes, I, I so agree. And I think there's something about coming to a point of, of saying, in the juggling, I am enough, I am doing enough, and and to just to be, to, to that to be how it is, and to know that we're not going to be able to do all of the things all of the time, and that we're enough, and we're doing enough. So I want to say to our listeners, sweetheart, you are enough, and you are doing enough. And and change is always possible as well. But you are enough, and you're doing enough. And if you want to have that on replay <laughs> internally and externally, it's so important. Yeah, it's so beautiful, so beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And often it's helpful for us to compare if we want to go into comparison to compare what we're offering our children to what we received and and how hard that was in in so many ways for ourselves and so then we can really see that what we're offering our children in all its glorious imperfection is of course it's enough not only is it enough it's deeply significant and beautiful and and it's going to be life-changing for them and so yeah we can we can really trust that it's okay that we're doing enough, that it's all going to be all right. And it's okay for it to be imperfect. Yeah. Yeah. And it's inevitably going to be because that's how life is really. And actually that's part of the conditioning, isn't it? That everything's shiny and it's all the, you know, the disconnected domination culture is all about uh, newness and the early years and freshness and all of that. And it doesn't include the, all the other parts that are a part of life, which is the, 
the decay and death and loss and mud and you know the the life cycles that are, are actually just as important and essential and we just we we are taught to focus on on one side of life and to ignore the other and i think the more we can embrace that as well that yeah we're times we're all going to have times where we don't do things the way we want them to or react or and it, of course it becomes less and less and less but that's all that's just all part of life all of it <laughs> it's mm. the, the yin and the yang of life yeah absolutely mm. <laughs> it's quite a state to go into isn't it yes the, the, the state change in both of us as we as we're with this mm. yeah so yeah, I'd love to invite people to explore this if they feel called to themselves and to to connect in as much as they can with that sense of trust that things are okay and that that they will find a way to do what they truly want to do for them and for their children and to reach out for support both practically and emotionally on this journey because it is a it's a big thing to be doing things differently and to be taking your kids out of school or to be not putting them in school in the first place and to be then finding ways to make life work. So yes, if you can look at all of the balls that you've got in the air at the moment and see which are you willing to put down for now and just yeah, offering yourself lots of compassion and, and love and acknowledgement for all of the amazing things you're doing to support your kids. Yes, yeah, I had that set too to celebrate. Look, I've got I'm juggling four balls at the moment. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> like rather than focusing on which again we're taught to in this culture, oh dear, there is six on the floor. And look at those. Oh no, I'm a terrible person because there's six things. No, let's focus on look, look at you. I think you're amazing. You're juggling four balls all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Ah, lovely, Joss. Would you like to share the things that you've got on offer and the things that people can do with you if, mm-hmm. if they wanted to come and share more of your wonderful yumminess? <laughs> Thank you, Marion. Yeah, so I'm just in the second week of the latest live round of my Web Parenting Teenagers course, which I'm just really loving. Love the beautiful, beautiful families in there and all the amazing things that they're doing to build more connection and relationship and heal and repair and play and listen to feelings with their teens which is just so magical and we're in month seven of the exploring aware parenting community with danny which is really beautiful we've been talking all about trust this month so that's been really big and i'm still in the process of putting together in a very non-coercive way (laughs) my newer courses that are going online and yeah just doing lots of one-to-one sessions which I really love so yeah all of those usual things still ongoing (laughs) and I want to acknowledge you like I you shared something with me recently where you were outlining all the things that you're doing and I that was what I was really saying oh my god you're juggling a lot of balls you're supporting so many people running so many groups offering so many things that are so beautiful so i really want to acknowledge you joss and all that you're doing that's making such a massive contribution to so many people so thank you thank you mary that's so lovely i'm so grateful for your beautiful unwavering support Mm, my pleasure (laughs) what about you what are your gorgeous offerings at the moment Uh, so i've had a sale on my making friends with children's feelings course which i've been really enjoying because it's been inviting me to just keep writing i love just having 
uh, invitation. So how many different ways can I write about <laughs> parenting and from what different angle and what might really touch somebody and resonate with them? So I've been really enjoying that and very excited about my next project. So I'm just finishing off editing a couple of books. <laughs> I haven't said this is the year of books. And next week, my plan is to start writing a book on aware parenting and sleep. Mm create a new course on aware parenting and sleep because my existing one keeps breaking and being fixed and keeps breaking so I've been seeing that as a message to to actually create a whole new one so and I'm going to create a workshop as well so I'm going to be focused on sleep a lot at, uh, in the next upcoming weeks <laughs> I'm looking wow. forward to that because I'm so passionate about aware parenting and the, the transformation it can give to parents in relation to sleep as well as well as everything else <laughs> Wow. Wow. Sounds amazing. Really looking forward to hearing more about that. And of course, your beautiful new latest chapter in the Aware Parenting podcast now and all of the beautiful things you've been sharing on about sleep in there too, in your latest episode. That's beautiful. Which is going to be including one from you. I'm really looking forward to our (laughs) conversation about that too. So yay. It's fun, isn't it? It's like popping over. Now we're going to pop here. And now we're going to pop to this one. And now we're popping over to this podcast. I love that there's just so much information for people in so many different ways for them to hear it. And yeah, so, so gorgeous. It's so lovely, isn't it? And um, Vivian Biesta, who we both know very well, started up her podcast now. So I love the more and more aware parenting podcast for people to listen to. So, so yummy. It is amazing. Amazing. <sighs> Lots of love to our listeners. <laughs> Lots of love to you, Joss. And we so look forward to seeing you well talking to sharing with you next time if you do any have any requests about topics you'd like to talk us to talk about we'd love to hear them and so much love to you yeah so much love we have really enjoyed talking to you today and we hope that you enjoyed the episode too we are sending you love however you feel after hearing this information to find out more about marion's work you can go to marionrose.net And for Joss's website, it is awareparenting.com.au. We wish you much love and connection on your aware parenting and natural learning adventures. Mm